The title for today's lesson is going to come in the form of a question. The title of today's lesson is going to come as a, in the form of a question. I want you to please let that sit in your spirit as we go through the text. The title of this lesson is, Is Your Gift Your Purpose, or Is There a Purpose for Your Gift? Is your gift your purpose, or is there a purpose for your gift? The foundation for this came from years ago, God put something in my spirit that I believe maybe it was just individual to me, maybe there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who have this same thought that we have a primary issue in the body of Christ. We have what God has given me to, to title it, directionless believers, meaning we have people who believe in God, they believe in Christ, but as they enter the body, they have no direction of where to go. What's the next step? So the goal today is, and I will say, um, I, I believe it's Brother Rashawn, I, pro I apologize if I say your name wrong, and my son Jacob are getting baptized today, so they bless me and even confirming that because just sitting down this morning and thinking about the concept of baptism, you know, when we enter the body of Christ, everybody tells you, hey, believe in God, believe in Christ, but once you get in there, then what? So hopefully we can address how we are supposed to go about that path today, amen? Amen. Our main scripture is going to come from the book of Matthew, and I'll be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 28. I'm not going to read the entirety to start, but we, by the end, we will make it through uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and we'll read through the entirety of verses 14 through 28. My objective this morning is to establish that God has given me, is to establish an understanding of our gifts and our purpose. The goal of this lesson is to develop an understanding of the purpose of our gifts and the calling along with God's requirement for both. There is a requirement upon it. Now, I've told somebody this before, they didn't believe me. I said, listen, you're just going to have to get used to it. I am a conceptual learner, meaning that I prefer to receive instruction and concepts. Give things to me in steps. So if you give me the concept, let me master it, then move to the next concept, I feel better about walking into step two because I've mastered level one, which already predated level two, because there must be part of level one in part two. You have to build upon what you learn. I am a conceptual learner, so I am a conceptual teacher. I like to teach according to concepts, and I like to teach in steps. So for my note takers, I'm, we're going to go through four concepts today. I'm going to give you concept number one. Concept number one, anything you have been given comes with an expectation. I'm going to say that again. Anything that you have been given comes with an expectation, and let's go to the word to prove it. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and I'm going to start at first ver verse 14, and I'll read through 18. The book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 through 18, and it reads, some of your Bibles will say the parable of the loan money, some will say the parable of the talent. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Verse 15, 
To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Verse 17. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Here we see Christ teaching the disciples in the form of a parable. And I won't go into the deep depths of a parable, but basically its intent was the people who get the depths of the lesson were the ones who put in the effort to understand it. There were many there who were there to just go against Christ. So you didn't deserve the lesson that you got out of the parable. You didn't deserve my lesson because you weren't willing to put in the effort. But my disciples, they were sitting here and they attentively listened to try to understand what Christ was saying. Well, first thing I want us to look at is verse 14. Key word. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and did what? Entrusted his wealth to them. When you entrust, to entrust is to assign the responsibility for doing something. It means to assign the responsibility for doing something and to put into someone's care. When you entrust, that does not necessarily mean you turn over ownership. Because the master entrusted his wealth to the servants, there was an understanding that eventually he will come back to receive what he had entrusted them with. So we have to be careful when we say we entrust somebody with something because there is the potential that you can come back to get what's yours. Amen? So I, use, I like to use the, the example, think of a, a child, you giving a child money and telling them to go to the store to get milk. Hey, we, we go through gallons of milk in my house every week. So if I give you, if you give the child $10 and you say, hey, I'm giving you $10. I want you to go to the store, buy the milk, come back home, bring me my change. You got you to gotta say that. So you give the child the $10. That was the giving. What was the expectation? That you bring back my milk and my change. You better tell them that. So that was a concept of I gave it. There was an expectation upon what I was given, on what I gave. Second example. It's like if one of my sons said, hey, Dad, can I go to skating ring tonight? Yeah, you can go to the skating ring. Here's $20, man. Have a good time. What did I give? $20. What is my expectation? Have a good time. That is the expectation based on what I gave you. Last one, money for a bill. I go to Golf Power. I give them $200. I gave you $200. I, my expectation is when I come home, the lights are on. Right? So based on what I gave, there was an expectation each time. So in this specific parable, we need to understand that this concept does not just apply to the wealth that was given to the servants. This is a life concept. What Christ was teaching the disciples is that any resource you are given, it comes with an expectation upon it. Apply that to anything. 
if I gave you a wife, my expectation, there is an expectation upon you asked for a wife, I gave you a wife, I have an expectation upon how that process is supposed to go. You asked for a husband, I gave you a husband, I have an expectation upon how that's supposed to go. I gave you a car, <laughs> you took the car, I have an expectation upon what I get back. Amen? Now, here's the thing that you really got to understand, and this is where God, this, as many times as I've read this parable, this is the first time God has ever pointed this specific part out to me. If you look at when the master, when Christ was explaining the parable and the master gave the servants the talents, he never gave the servants instructions on what to do with them. The servants, the first two, understood from the beginning. Look at what it says. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. He never gave instruction. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bag, bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. This, we see, is the concept of the servant understanding the master's expectations. You don't have to tell me what to do with what you give me because I understand who you are, so I know what the expectation is upon what I've received. Master, if you had your money, what you would do is take it, put it to work, bring it back with interest. If you entrusted it to me and gave me responsibility over it, that means you have given it to me and you expect that I would do the same thing that you would do with what I've been given. So we're learning that when we are given a resource, what is God's expectation for what we're given? And based on what was brought back, we'll see that it's some form of growth. Anything you are given as a resource is expected to come back to God more than what you started with. There needs to be growth upon what you are given. Amen? Let's, let's dig deeper into it. The third servant. He went, he took the one he was given. Remember, they were given according to their abilities, meaning the master understood the third servant's personality. I'm giving you what I know you can handle. So you can't come back with the excuse of, I had too much. I don't know what to do. Right? So that's how I look at it. Glory be to God. With God blessing me with children. I gave you six children. I wouldn't have given them to you if you couldn't handle them. So if you bring me one of these guys back here, or gals, and you don't bring them back according to my expectation, you're going to answer for that. Anything you've been given comes with an expectation. The third servant did not understand either A, he didn't understand the master's expectations, or B, he was a brave dude because he didn't understand the concept of the punishment. And we'll get back into that. We'll get into that here in a little bit later. So we understand that, right? Anything, this is for my repetitive learners. Anything that has been given comes with an expectation. I'm saying it a lot of times on purpose, okay? You learn when you go through the, the education cycle, there are multiple different types of learners. And you have to try your best to appeal to as many as possible, amen? Amen. 
So now that we have this understanding of the first concept, let's transition. What is it then that we, as spirit-filled believers, what have we been given? Because there has to be something that has been given to us if we have to go through the lesson of this parable. Remember, the main goal of this particular sermon or lesson is to understand our gifts and our purpose. So let's talk about concept number two. Concept number two for the note takers, our gifts versus our purpose. I'm going to say it again. Our gifts versus our purpose. Are they the same or are they different? That's what we need to get an understanding of. A gift is defined as a natural ability or talent. It is a natural ability or talent, just like we said I am who God designed me to be. Part of my design is based on the ability or abilities God has given me. Brother Greer is designed on how God designed him to be. That is based on either his ability or abilities. And we'll dig deeper into this here in a second because Paul talked about this. It is natural to you. What are the things that you are naturally good at? That is something for us to identify. Pastor just talked about AI. I guarantee you, we're leaving out here with homework. Because one of the things I want us to identify are, what are our gifts? Do you know? If you don't, that's not a judgment. That's fine. I had a brother bless my spirit uh, years ago. And that's what helped this concept stick for me. And it was just confirmed through the whole time, through the men's reading, through talking to other brothers, just over time. I was like, God, is this the right time for this particular message? Is this why you gave me this? And absolutely, this was it. Because it was confirmed over and over and over again. I asked this brother, and he's, he's older than me, but we're close, close friends. And I say, yo, what is your purpose? He, he took at me, looked at me with a straight face. I don't know. And I was like, wow. I appreciate your honesty. I, can't, I couldn't help but appreciate the honesty because most of us, it might have jumped in our spirit to be like, well, you know, I'm supposed to, <laughs> you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm supposed to teach. <laughs> you, know what I'm you, know, you know, I'm strong. I can jump high, so I'm supposed to play ball. Man, you like 57. <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting in the NBA no time soon. That's over. So, you know, when he told me that, he really hit me because I was like, man, I appreciate your honesty because you were able to admit to me as another brother from the depths. You don't know, but you're willing to serve. And this is a God-fearing man, okay? So that, that helped me a lot. Now, let's go ahead and go, and I'm gonna, we're going to see what Paul said about this. I'm going to go to the book of Romans, and I'll be turning to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Amen? The book of Romans, chapter 12, and we'll be going through verses 6 through 8. All right. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, and it reads, and this is Paul talking to the people uh, for guidelines on living as a redeemed people in a fallen world. We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. This is Paul confirming the parable. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So now Paul is showing there, there is a differentiation in the gifts that we may be given. Each of us have specific gifts. There are things Keisha can do that I can't do. And if I can't do it, I can't do it on her level. Because that's not my gift. Amen? So we need to make sure that we acknowledge that. You can have more than one a gift. I want to make sure we say that because remember, the talents were divided according to their abilities, and that means their ability to maintain or care for what they've been given. Amen? But that does not mean that one is greater than the other. Let me make sure I put that out there. Just because one is given more don't mean you're, you're better. That's just how God created you to handle certain things. Amen? So, like, let's not get that confused. Well, I got, you know, I got ten. You got two. Sit down. You can't handle one. So, you got these cats running around here going crazy. So, each one of the gifts were given for an intended purpose. Let's get into that. So, I talked about our gifts versus our purpose. That is concept number two. Our purpose. The pur our purpose is the reason... Pay close attention to this definition, please, because this is real important for us as Christian believers. Our purpose is the reason for which something is done or created. I'm going to say that again. Your purpose, this is the definition, is the reason for which something is done or created. Henceforth, the reason we were created is because we have a purpose. If you were created, you have a purpose. Anything that is created has a purpose. I want to make sure we get that understanding here because it's the same thing with your gifts because it can be really easy to sit back and like, ah, I can't even think of nothing I do good. I remember when I was teaching in the middle school, I would hear kids say that all the time. And it, you know, it kind of, you got to do it in your nicest way. You got to, you know, try to Holy Spirit them in the nicest way possible. And you can do anything. Ah, oh, I can't do nothing. Boy, I said, you can do whatever you want. So do it. But it's hard for people sometimes to sit back and recognize that, yo, I have a gift. I am good at something. You just might not know what it is yet. Amen? In the kingdom of God, there are two primary purposes. Okay? And we're going to tie all this in. There's two primary purposes in the kingdom of God. We're going to prove these. First, there's God's overarching purpose. We're going to find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. And I'll say it again. And there's also our second, there's also the second purpose, which is the individual purpose. So there's God's overarching purpose. And then there's our individual purpose, which is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. All right, so please go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And this, and this time we'll talk about God's overarching purpose. I've been looking for my pen since I got up here.
All right. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, and it reads, And we know that in all things God works, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That is, God has an overarching purpose. What is God's purpose? For those God foreknew us, he foreknew us, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm going to stop there. What is God's overarching purpose for his children? It is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Do not miss that because God has a purpose for all of Christianity. And we're going to dig further into that, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorifies. Amen? Amen. So, we, we got a few things going on, right? We hit concept one. Anything that you've been given comes with an expectation, right? We understand that. We understand that that expectation, when it comes to resources, is growth, okay? Number two, our gifts versus our purpose. We established that our gifts are our natural abilities. Those are the things that are inside me. They're inside you. They're inside you. They're inside you that you can do specifically to you better than anybody else because God spiritually gave you, be careful, he gave you that ability. Your purpose now, God's overarching purpose, is to conform us, his children, to the image of his son. And now please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, because we also have an individual purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I'll give y'all a second to get there. Please say amen when you get there. Amen. I have tabs, so I can move a little faster to get excited. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It reads, for we are God's handiwork created. Anything that is created has a purpose. Man, don't make me flip this. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking that gets me excited because if you can speak it back to me, that means you picked up the concept, right? We, man, let me go ahead and read. For, for we are God's handiwork created, meaning we have a purpose in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance just as he foreknew for us to do. I'm talking about it. So now we see that in advance, God had a purpose specifically for us. It is the reason why we were created. He foreknew that we were coming, and he assigned that purpose to us before we got here. Now, we've established the difference between our gift and our purpose. So let's tie this back to the first concept. Gifts are the natural abilities or talents that God has given or entrusted to us by God. That is our gifts. Our purpose is the specific task we were given and the reason for which we were created. So concept number three for my note takers, 
Concept number three, the purpose of the gift. Let's talk about the purpose of the gift. Each of the gifts we have been given came with an expectation upon them. Our gifts are resources that God gave us to achieve our purpose. So if he gave us the gifts as a resource, what is his expectation that we do with the gift? We need to grow them. Just as the master expected the servants to grow the talents and bring it back with interest, we cannot go before God with the gifts we have been given and not give it back to him with interest. Because then, if you do not sharpen your gift, your individual purpose will lack because the gifts, the purpose of the gift was to enhance the purpose. Your individual purpose, my individual purpose. If I do not sharpen my gift, I am doing a disservice to God. That's how that works. Why? He gave it to us. What did that mean? He had an expectation. What was his expectation? Growth. What were you supposed to do with what you grew? Use it. What were you supposed to use it for? Your purpose. That is why we have directionless believers. Because we have a lot of believers who do not understand that they have gifts they were given and they have a purpose that they are supposed to be reaching for. If Striving for Perfection Ministries was the same size it was when the church was back on Pelham way before I got here, then that means there is no growth. If there is no growth, that means that its intended purpose is not being met. We have to understand that concept. If your child is 20 and they act the same way they did when they were 10, that means that there is no growth. If we are in our 40s, 50s, 30s, 20s, and we act the same way we did 15, 20 years ago, there is no growth. We are not accomplishing our purpose. And we're going to talk about what happens when you don't grow as we get further into the parable. Please turn with me to the book of John, chapter 14. And I believe this is my last turn, yes. The book of John, chapter 14, and I'll be reading through verse 12. John, chapter 14, and I will start and read verse 12. Because after reading this a number of times, Jesus was acting out. Like, I, don't, I can't say that my Savior was showing off, but he showed out. Because, I'm going to read it. John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. To understand that, you have to understand the concept of the purpose. What is God's overarching purpose? We talked about this. It is to conform us to the image of his son. Okay? That is one. What was Christ's individual purpose upon taking up the flesh? One, to build his ministry. That's the works that he's talking about. And to die for our sins as the perfect sacrifice. Okay? So, as he's talking to the disciples, what works is he saying that the disciples need to pick up? They need to continue to do what? 
build the ministry. Why? That was Christ's purpose during his time on earth. It was to build his ministry. As he builds his ministry, what does that do to people like us? It conforms us to his image. What is God's overarching purpose? For us to be conformed to his son's image. So as the ministry is being built in his purpose, we are being conformed to the image. As we are being conformed to the image, you are glorifying God in his overarching purpose. I, I hope, I'm hoping I'm making sense because I know I'm, I'm hitting stairs. But I had to understand it from the concept of God starts at the top. So God's purpose reigns overall. His purpose is for us to be conformed to his son's image. To be conformed to his son's image, his son built the ministry to spread the gospel. Now people are being conformed to that image. To continue the growth of that, he spread that to the disciples. Then the disciples, I would say, succeeded because we are sitting here now. They continued to build the ministry. So, based on what was given, pay attention to what God, what Christ did. Christ told them what you will do. Those who believe in me will continue my works. Right? So, that means if you believe in Christ, you have to continue building his ministry. To continue building his ministry, you have to share the gospel. But your intention for sharing the gospel is through your individual purpose. How you share through that purpose is what's going to continue to grow God's ministry. So, if you, if you look at it closely, what Christ did in that situation was he matched the parable. In the parable, the master gave the talents, right? The expectation was growth. In, I lost a spot, in John, Christ gave the disciples a task. He said, if you believe in me, you will do what? Continue my works. What is my expectation? Growth. He reenacted the parable in reality to show that there was meaning behind the actual parable. Amen? So what does that mean for us as believers? He expects that what he's given us we grow. We apply that to our purpose so that the purpose will grow. That purpose should touch the same ministry that Christ had, and if it builds Christ's ministry, that means it's meeting God's overarching purpose, which is to conform all of us to the image of his Son. We gotta watch how God is operating in this situation because He's showing us there is a process to this. And I have given you the tools to do this. But you have to understand what to do with the tools. Okay? And I am not required to sit there and give you bits and pieces of instruction. Christ did not have to give the disciples that instruction. Because he also told them, I'm sending you another resource. When I go back to the Father, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You now have another resource that you can use to meet the purpose. 
we got to meet our purpose. And what it did is it gave the disciples a sense of direction. When you leave, what do I do? I just told you what to do. If you believe in me, continue building my ministry. If you continue building my ministry, you are glorifying my father. And you are honoring me. The gifts we were given were intended to be grown so that we can achieve the purpose, so that we can glorify God and what he's given us. We have to get that understanding because it gives us a direction and a sense of purpose on where to go as believers. So whether you're a new believer or you're an older believer, God's expectation did not change for you. Your age does not dictate your purpose. And we'll get into that here in a second, but we have to understand that. I'll use my life as an example, right? So I used to have this confused. I used to think that my gift was my purpose. I, God revealed to me, hey, you, I've given you the ability to teach, so go be a teacher. Oh, that's what I got to do. Okay, God, I'm on it. Chop, chop. So I was an educator. Correction, let me correct myself. I was an educator, educator and teacher, two different things. I was an educator because I worked in education for seven years, and I thought that was my purpose. Okay, God, you have me here. This is why I'm here, right? But I like to say this number, 9,450. Now, I don't teach math anymore like I used to, but 80% of my job is mathematics. 9,450 is how many times I've had to prepare an hour-long or 30-minute lesson to do something. In seven years, teachers work 180 days. We work, they work seven and a half hours a day. I did it for seven years. 9,450 times I had to prepare a one-hour lesson or a 30-minute lesson to teach something. That's God sharpening the gift because he foreknew what my gift was before I did. So he put me in a situation to continue to sharpen the gift. That's not including summers, because I taught classes over the summers because I needed the cash. So, hey, look, I'm gonna keep real, man. It's a big family, man. Like, <laughs> told y'all we go through like six gallons of milk. <laughs> like, so, so that's not including summer hours, but he also foreknew, hey, I'm sending you to grad school. You know what your graduate degree is going to be in? What's that? Education. Because he got to sharpen the gift. When I was in high school, I spent so many hours on the back of my mom and dad's car from 10 to 12, 1 in the morning. It were like counseling sessions. Me and my boys used to sit there and talk for hours. It was like counseling sessions. Sharpening the gift. But hold on. My mother's an educator. And I'm a mama's boy. So when I was in elementary, my mother taught at the school. So at recess, oh, we had a substitute? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go out there. You know where I was going? By my mama. <laughs> like, you know, you, your mom work at the, the school, you get the perks. I would go in her class. You know what they had me doing? Studying an educator. Because at a time, she got to a point where she said, hey, bro, you always in here. That would need help. Go teach them. So I would go teach my peers. What is that doing? 
And then eventually, once it gets sharp enough, now get on your purpose. Because now I've sharpened your gifts because I foreknew what you were supposed to do. I've prepared you for this. Get up here and do your purpose. Amen? That is what God has been doing for all of us. You can go back in your life and look at the times that God has put you in positions to enhance what you are naturally gifted at. God has put you in positions to better prepare you. For those of you walking in your purpose, you can look back at your time and say, man, I remember God putting me in this position, and I hated it, but now I understand it. So I have a different appreciation for it. Why? Because I'm meeting my purpose. There is no emptiness to what I do because it's my purpose. You'll never have an issue getting me to teach. It's my purpose. You ask me, that's it. Even if I, even if I walk away, ask on tell. Hey, man, VBS? I go, yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm going to do it because it's my purpose. That is how I am supposed to glorify God with the gift that he gave me. That was Christ's intention in building his ministry so that I and others can be conformed to his son's image. Amen? Now, as we get closer to closing, the fourth concept, we have to be careful because we're going to finish the rest of the parable because God left us with a warning. There's a, there's a warning. That third servant, there's a warning. Let's take a look at it. I'm going to go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 28. I'm going to read 19 through 28. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 19 through 28, and it reads, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained more. Talking confidence. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Excited. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You come sharing what I got. I'm happy with you. Because you understood, based on what I gave you, you brought it back with interest. Because you know my expectations of my wealth. When I have my wealth, I bring it back with interest. So you knew me. You understood me. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Didn't matter that it was less because look at the master's response. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He got the same uh, pat on the back and happiness from his master as the guy with five because he took care of what he was given based on the expectation. Amen? Oh, let's get to our boy. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man and excuses starting. 
harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? You notice that's in the form of a question. Oh, so you just, so you know what I do, huh? That's how it is? Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. That's the first time the master told the servants his expectation. He expected it back with interest. God expects our purpose and talents to come back to him with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The end of this parable is to explain that those who take care of what they've been given will be given more. But if you do not take care of what you've been entrusted to and those tasks you've been given, your purpose, those gifts, not only do you put yourself in danger of having those taken away, you put yourself in danger of being cast out. Because we, our God has a growth mindset. He expects growth. We have to deliver back if we're going to conform in God's, in his son's image. Because what did his son do? He produced growth. He didn't just bring God 12. He brought millions. So if you look at how that exponentially grew, what is our responsibility? To at least bring back some bodies with interest. Bring some of God's people to him to conform to his son's image. Amen? That is why we talk about the concept of the directionless Christian, because if Christians knew as they come into the body that there is a purpose for my life, everything they do will be to enhance themselves to get to that purpose. Everything will be aligned with what God called them to do. I enjoy my job a lot. I remember when I left education, I struggled with it mentally for a while because I was like, God, I feel like I'm walking from my purpose. But what most don't know is every year that I was in education, I asked God to leave because I could visibly see the strain it was in effect it was having on my family. It's a big family. So it's hard to maintain. Like, listen, when I was a, because two of those years I was a classroom assistant. <laughs> See, Key is a teacher. You know how hard it is to bring in a certain amount of money as a classroom assistant and try to feed eight people? Like, you'd be on that noodle diet. <laughs> ramen for breakfast, <laughs> ramen for lunch, <laughs> ramen for dinner. But, God gave me permission almost two years ago now. And he said, hey, the time here is done. 
And it was at a time that I was like, hey, God, things are booming. I'm not trying to go nowhere. And then when he pulled back the veil, he said, it ain't booming like that. I'm out. <laughs> I hear you, God, because you're showing me it's time. You thought this was your purpose, but it's not. Now follow me, because you asked. I'm going to put you in a better situation, and then you're going to go build upon that purpose. And that's exactly what he did. So is, oh, got to go back to my thing. Is your gift your purpose? No. There is a purpose for your gift. Amen? Amen. And I'm sorry, before we leave, I said we weren't leaving without homework, so I want to make sure that we go ahead and, and get this in. Yeah, thought y'all was getting away. Okay, so pastor gave us the charge that we have to have AI. Amen? So the first thing that I would like us to do is to reach out and ask, what is your gift? Start asking God, what is your gift? I'm not saying he's going to give it to you in this exact moment. What I appreciate that God did for me is when I asked God for my purpose, he gave me the end game. He didn't show me anything in between. And he did that purposely. Because if I would have knew what it took to get there, I probably couldn't handle it at that time. So he did it according to my ability. That's our first one. Second one, if you know your gift, you need to ask, what is your purpose? Amen? Start asking God to identify what is your purpose. And if you know your gift and you know your purpose, lastly, third thing you can do, ask God to identify if you are walking in your purpose and growing the gifts in the manner he expected so that we will glorify him. Amen? Amen. I have four appeals. My first appeal is for salvation. We're getting ready to see two, two believers come into the body of Christ through baptism right now. And remember, God's overarching purpose for us is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. If you seek salvation, please raise your hand and we will have somebody minister to you and speak to you at this time. I see no hand. My second appeal is for church membership. If you are online or you are in the house and you desire to be a member of this body, I know Pastor Bolden would love to have you. We as members would love to have you. It would be a blessing to have you here. If you're online, please see the phone number that will be on the screen. And if you're in the house, please raise your hand. I see no hand. Lastly, prayer requests. We have an amazing prayer line that goes out both in the morning and in the afternoon. If you are online if you ha and you have a prayer request, please see the number online and please call that number. You can submit uh, your prayer request to that number. Or if you have a prayer in the house, uh, we ask that you do pray at your seats because we're still doing the social distancing at this time. But we do ask and open it up for prayer at this time. Amen. And we'll go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Merciful God in heaven, we thank you so much on this morning for using us for your glory. We ask and pray now, Father God, that your word will go forth to touch the spirits of all of us as believers. That we will be given a direction and a purpose to the things you have given us because there is an expectation upon it. 
We ask and pray that you'll use us for your glory, Father God, that your son's ministry will continue to grow, Father God, according to your will, and that your purpose will be fulfilled, Father God, in us, through us, for your glory now. We pray to give it all to you now, and we thank you for everyone here and online and everywhere. All for your glory. Please bless us. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.